0: So we're talking about back to school and the majority of kids in Alberta head back to school today. In fact, now there's no question, nobody can deny that the last year for sure and year and a half really, um, of education has been, well, it's been chaotic. It has not been normal in any sense of the word. And obviously there's going to be issues surrounding that. Now, uh, our producers came across a great piece, um, how to fix Canada's education catastrophe in five steps. Um, catastrophe is the way it's being characterized and no doubt for some students it is there's no question about that um, so what do we need to do we're trying to strive for a normal year of schooling this year Hopefully that's what we have or as close to normal as we can get. But what have we learned over the last 18 months? And what do we need to do to make sure we get the best out of this year? The author of the piece, Irvin Student, is president of the Institute for the 21st Century Questions, chair of the Worldwide Commission to Educate All Kids Post-Pandemic, and editor-in-chief and publisher of Global Brief Magazine. He has a book coming out called Canada Must Think for Itself, 10 Theses for Our Country's Survival and Success in This Century. Irvin, thank you so much for joining us this morning. I appreciate your time.
1: My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Say Hello to everyone in Ed- Ed- Edmonton and Alberta.
0: And when we talk about the last year and a half, and you characterize it as a catastrophe, and I think you know, for some kids there's no question about it, and some of the numbers we're going to talk about uh, in your piece are, blew my mind. I had no idea. But um, when we take a look at the way the last year and a half has gone, why do you call it a catastrophe? I mean, one of the major issues that leap out to you is, this is a really bad situation.
1: It's been a catastrophe at the level of the individual, the students, the kids, the most uh, vulnerable population in in our country in terms of their inability to speak for themselves and their need to uh, be prepared for the post-pandemic world. And it's been a catastrophe for the country because if we don't have an educated population that's ready for the post-pandemic world, we just cannot survive and succeed as a country it's been catastrophic because we've neither we've neither thought about the kids their individual well-being their survival and the general uh, success of the country in a world that will be far more difficult while other countries have continued to double down on both fronts they've continued to educate their children and they know that they have to be overprepared for what's to come.
0: Um, let's try and define what what the last year and a half has meant in terms of some of those things you just talked about. Uh, you know what it's how it's affected the kids and how it's affected the country at large in terms of what we've missed out on and what we, for lack of a better term, messed up on for the last eighteen months. Where well, let's define exactly where the problems arise.
1: So what happened? Uh, Shay, to be clear for for all your distinguished listeners is that in May, March of last year across canada and in most much of the world we had the largest improvised policy and public administration action in in modern history that is schools were closed almost everywhere Mm -hmm. at least for a short period now what we understand is as soon as school closures happened and in most cases they have been for good with good intentions death uh, occurred and the death was that it had nothing to do with COVID. It had to do with, it, with kids who were all of a sudden ousted from school systems. What uh, is not seen on the screen is that while we imagine that kids pivoted seamlessly to online or virtual learning, at least 6% of the national population had no access to Internet or computer devices. So they were automatically ousted from that, what we call the second bucket. Right. They went into a third bucket called no school at all. And they stayed there the longer school stayed closed. And in Ontario and in other parts of the country, Alberta, a little bit less, where you had prolonged school closures, they stayed there for a long time. But even those who were in the second bucket in virtual learning, if they were in an abusive home, if they were in a very poor home with economic pressures, if they were in a home with illness, if they were a home in which nobody spoke English or French, the language of instruction, uh, they were quickly ousted to the third bucket. And finally, the, I think the, the darkest category of ouster was uh, high school and middle school kids for whom learning online after two to three months would lose all purpose. These are kids who could have been top students, captains of your hockey or soccer team, basketball team, and online all they had to do after two to three months was turn off a Zoom call, and that's it. They were out in the either. We were still online. We imagined that they were enrolled, and life took took its course. Yeah. And over time, they they stayed in the third bucket. So now we have shay These are the figures that shock. We calculate uh, about two hundred thousand kids in the third bucket, no school at all in in Canada. Most catastrophically in central Canada, a little bit less in western and northern Canada. We have to get these kids back. That because is they will
0: Two hundred thousand kids that had no education whatsoever.
1: That have had uh that are in this third bucket. They have at various periods been ousted uh I would say permanently into this third bucket of no school at all. Nobody looking for them, no no one in many cases aware that they're in no school at all. And we imagine that somehow they're just either gonna farewell in life or they're just gonna come back as soon as we open the school. But that's why we started this commission, because we realized it's the problem starts here in Canada, in one of the most advanced countries in the world, in its leading provinces, no less. But it's a global problem, because, as I mentioned, uh, across the world, the schools were shuttered, and no yeah. one understood what would happen as soon as you shuttered. So the number around the world we calculate is 500 million kids in this third bucket who were just in our schools last year, if you imagine. So... This is the future of the country. These are young people. 200,000 is a massive quantum, and these are uh, regular kids, poor and rich alike. They are. They would have been on, in our hockey rinks just yeah. a year ago.
0: Unbelievable. Okay, so you've laid out five things that we need to do uh, this year to make sure that we start to address some of these problems and make sure we don't repeat any of these mistakes. Let's start with it, first of all, and I guess the obvious one. Never, ever close the schools again, Right.
1: Never close the schools again, ever, under no circumstances, unless there's war. And I mean that uh, literally. Unless there's an invasion right at the doorstep of the school, we know that the school closure immediately results in permanent ouster, and these kids will die young, if I may use very young Canadian language that is understood by other countries. So never, ever close the schools under any circumstances. So that is for clear message for our premiers our uh, education ministers, and critically for our chief medical health officers who are, in many cases, uh, you know, forgive me for being direct, operating beyond their ken. They are not operating in an area that they understand. They are closing systems they do not see and do not understand to the death. That's the first step. The second one is that we need to find these third-bucket yeah, kids. Yeah, we got to reach out to them kids you get it back in the fold. It is, uh, and if I may implore... Albertans and colleagues and friends in the West. It must be a door-to-door operation, as is happening in other countries in the U.S. as well, where they have 15 to 20 million third-bucket kids. These are regular kids, but you're not going to get them out by just saying, come back, or sending an email, or saying, school's on. They've moved on in many cases. Some will come back if we do the return to school properly, but many will not, and that will be have very dark outcomes. So that is urgent. It's time urgent. In the coming weeks, coming months, ma- maximum, we need to get them back because there's a short window after which life goes on. Um. Uh, well, you know, the,
0: when you want to go to the other steps. Yeah, no, the, ne- the next point is kind of interesting because we're sort of talking to people about going back to school and how it's going to look, and, you know, some governments are putting in plans to sort of see if to do assessments and find out where we are um, and do any catch-up and stuff like that. So it's sort of a uh, we'll see how it goes and we'll adapt as it goes kind of a thing. Your third point is, no, 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 no. We've got to hit this running. We've got to go full on from day one.
1: That's right. That's right. For two reasons. Uh, One is, well, first of all, the the language I use is that the return to school, back to school, and happy back to school to everyone in Alberta. I wish you a great year. The return to school must be hyper energetic. It must be full on. No conditions, no theater, no zombie language, no zombies. Full on. It's got to be the best year of their lives and it's got to be promised as such it needs to be warm it needs to be contentful with standards and play and extracurriculars everything short of that gets us uh it consolidates our catastrophe and that is what our medical health officers and our and our politicians often unfortunately still living mentally in 2019 don't understand which is that we have two problems with the, with the schooling uh, that have occurred over the last two critical problems over the last year and a half. One is huge problems in, in uh, learning losses across the, across the student body that's remained in the system, and the third bucket. And you cannot address either of these two problems with uh, schooling that is short of hyper-energetic. So the return to school must be full-on energetic, enthusiastic, with zest and zeal. It's got to be a national mission. We've got to educate these kids uh, to the nines, and we've got to promise them that. So the greeting at the door must be warm. Welcome to school. Welcome back. We're happy to have you. We're off to the races. This will be the best year of your lives. We will not destabilize. And I want to say on um, the reverse is true, that those who threaten to destabilize schooling closed schooling, threatened to destabilize the schooling of any individual under any conditions, now operate in the realm of policy crimes, because they will send the kids to very dark places in life after uh, they reach adulthood. So that's the third one.
0: Well, I think we're. I think most people have come to the understanding that we need to keep the schools open, right? I think that's sort of the consensus that we've reached at most levels. And, you know, I mean, from Fauci to TAM, to they've, they've all said, we got... The schools need to be the last thing to close. They shouldn't close. And so hopefully you're right that we won't see that reversal coming back. But once we've got the kids in school and we've got them charged up and we're ready to go, you say we need to focus on excellence. I mean, but a lot of people are talking about we need to do catch up. We need to do make sure people are ready to go. You're saying, no, no, focus on the excellence here.
1: the the fourth point is is very much that, which is let's stop playing defense and let's not say we're doing it out of an abundance of caution. This is zombie language that will consolidate the crisis. We need to double down on excellence and quality because we're behind. We're behind as against a world that will be that much more difficult for our kids. So we're feeding them to the wolves if they're underprepared, undereducated. That's our current reality. Recognizing that, we have to say, well we have all this catch-up, the world of tomorrow is much more difficult, and the leading nations have continued to educate. So where are we? If, we? if we go hyper-cautious, zombie schools, as I call them, with no standards, no play, threat of closure all the time, then our kids will not survive and not compete in the world to come. That's just a strategic fact. So double down on offense, mm-hmm. excellence. We are educating them at the highest possible levels, No more defense, no more talk about safe schools. This is all zombie language that has only resulted in, in catastrophe. So that's point forward. Offense, offense, offense.
0: Yeah, get after it. And uh, the last one's kind of interesting. I mean, it's the environment itself. It's the environment that the kids are learning in, the classroom situation itself. We need to do better there.
1: That's right. The final one is, is a challenge. So if we get the first four right... What does schooling look like in the 21st century? Well, no country has figured it out. We know what it is not. It is not strictly online schooling for years on end. That doesn't work socially, it doesn't work pedagogically. It's not hybrid schooling or synchronous, asynchronous school. These are all, um, I would say, zombie improvisations of the last year and a half. They're forgivable, but now we need to think, and no country has it perfect. So there's an opportunity for Canada to, to figure it out, what does it look like? What does schooling look like in the 21st century, post-pandemic? Uh, understanding the need to catch up, to double down on excellence, to get the third kid, bucket kids back, and to never have this catastrophe repeat itself again. This must be a one-time, early 21st century catastrophe for Canada that we should always remember was the biggest public policy mistake of the pandemic. What's happened in education, by far, much bigger than public health, much bigger than the economy, because the consequences are long-term. So let's figure out uh, for the world and for ourselves while we're at it and for the kids what the classroom looks like physically, virtually, in its ensemble for the mm-hmm. needs to, uh, of tomorrow.
0: I appreciate the conversation, uh, Irvin. Uh, some really interesting stuff, and uh, I think a lot of people agree with what you have to say. And uh, thank you for joining us this morning.
1: Uh, my pleasure. Have a nice day.
0: Thank you very much. That's Irvin Student, who uh, put together a piece called uh, How to Fix Canada's education catastrophe in five steps.